Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. We have a very fun show to get into today because we spoke to Bucks General Manager Jason Light earlier in the day, got the whole shebang about what's going on with Devin White what draft classes at positions that he likes, that he doesn't like, what direction Tampa Bay could be going in this year's draft, which is coming up sooner uh, rather than later, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Also a new free agent signing as well by Tampa Bay. So a lot to get into. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is... Adam Slavon, my colleague over at PeterReport.com. Adam, long time no see. How you doing? I'm doing well. And it's a busy day in Tampa Bay. You got Taylor Swift performing right now at Raymond James Stadium. The Swifties. Yeah, shout out to the Swifties. Uh, As I was leaving, I don't know if you got to school on time. Because when I was leaving, uh, it got a little busy with traffic. The Swifties were everywhere getting to the stadium. Yeah, and uh, I know Jenna Lane posted on Twitter. It took her like an hour to get home. Like the traffic was brutal in Tampa today. But we're here, and we have a lot to talk about because Jason Light this afternoon, plenty to say regarding not only Devin White, but also positions and also looking ahead to the draft. It's only two weeks away now. Yeah, Devin White was definitely the headliner, I would say, of the, the whole show. But, yes, there was a ton of conversation about quarterbacks. Uh, would he take a, a big-time Saquon Barkley type of running back? And I'm saying that in quotations because it was certainly a nod and a wink to Bijan Robinson without actually saying Bijan Robinson. Um, so talk about the offensive line as well, which is um, obviously uh, an important part of not just the NFL, but something that the Bucks care about deeply. And not only the Taylor Swift stuff, but the Tampa Bay Rays went uh, 13-0 today, which is crazy because the Rays went 13-0 on April 13th. And Taylor Swift, I guess a big thing about her is 13. There's a song or something like that that's a big deal. And she happens to be playing in Tampa as all this is going on. So just wanted to bring that uh, full swing. But, you know, we're not going to keep beating around the bush. Uh, Appreciate everyone in the comments. I saw uh, some people... Uh, saying stuff to me specifically, like uh, Richard and Al. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for the kind words. Um, Let's get right into it, though. Devin White, Jason Light. We know the Devin side of things. Today was the time to hear and see what Jason Light had to say. And, Adam, I don't know how how you feel about it, but I feel like Jason handled it in the right way in terms of he addressed it. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't he didn't try to just be like, oh, I'm only focused on the on the draft. He took it head on and was fairly direct with being indirect, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree with what you said there. And a lot of general managers or head coaches, they might just say, Oh, we've had conversations like behind the scenes. Jason Light took the time to go in detail and mention Devin White as a competitor as somebody that he's been a captain uh, in Tampa Bay. And he said he's a player, and he hit the nail on the head. And 
he's more than just what a draft pick would bring in to Tampa Bay. Uh, we kind of went in a lot of detail yesterday about how he's a marketable guy. And he's someone that, like mentioned, he sees him being a part of the team next year. And he didn't say, oh, we're, we're looking to move on from, from Devin White. They see him as a cornerstone. And if he has a big year, they'll reward him with a contract. Yeah, that, that was the vibe that I felt like we were getting from uh, Jason Light when talking about Devin, um, especially when he just talked about his personality. He, he really said, hey, listen, I'm not taking it personal that Devin is doing this. We still think very highly of it. Um, he kept saying we have all the respect in the world for Devin White. Now, I don't think behind the scenes he's like, ah, I don't respect this guy anymore because of it, because obviously he wants to keep Devin White. I think Devin ultimately would want to stay in Tampa just for the right price, and I think the Bucks want Devin, whether or not we necessarily um, agree with that. And then he went on to say he has no intention of trading Devin White. Um, he says a couple of things. He's on our team. We're looking forward to the season. That was his way of saying Devin's not going anywhere. We're looking forward to the season. He's made a lot of great plays for us. Uh, hopefully he'll make some more this season. Um, I, I think it was a long way of just saying, we hear you, Devin, but there's not much you can really do about it. So get back to Tampa because we want to win and we want to win with you on the team. For sure. And it also begs the question, would the Bucks look to potentially draft somebody that could either sit behind him for a year and because the Bucks will have to address inside linebacker eventually, whether it's this year or next season. Mm -hmm. If Devin White doesn't get his long-term deal, or if Levante David at 33, they decide not to bring him back for another season. And there is quite a few inside linebackers. Jason Light mentioned it's not a per se a strength of the class, but it's still a position where right place, right time, they could get a guy. And uh, one guy we went in detail a little bit about was Jack Campbell. Uh, there's mm. plenty of prospects out there and just something to consider. Yeah, without question. It definitely becomes a a top priority if the whole thing with Devin doesn't work out. I'm going to play a video first. I just got to queue it up in just a moment. It's a little bit of a collage of everything Jason Light had to say about the, the situation with Devin. Um, he obviously got asked about it early on, but then Peter Report's own Scott Reynolds raised a pretty good question because, you know, Scott's been doing this a very long time. Jason Light's been the general manager for for the Bucks for over a decade. So, um, obviously, Jason's seen a lot in his time, but there hasn't really been. And even before, like, Adam, you and I were talking with Jenna Lane of ESPN, and, and we were chatting about that. I mean, you kind of just started with us, but I haven't been here that long either where – I haven't seen any type of like contract dispute or, or, or anything of, of that nature. And, and Jenna was saying something similar when we were chatting with her that um, she doesn't really remember one of a, like a big contract snafu either. And that's what uh, Scott Reynolds was saying. And Scott was just really asking Jason, what would you contribute that to or attribute that, that that's the right word where the fact that sure there's ups and downs and peaks and valleys with, with every team and, and certain situations. And you see it around the league with contract issues. But up until this moment with Devin White, there hasn't really been too many problems in terms of uh, contract negotiations. 
between Jason Light and uh, whoever the Bucks player is that they're talking with. So uh, I'm about to play this video. Here's just, again a kind of a, a compilation of Jason Light commenting on Devin. Down that avenue, it might affect the draft in some way, but what can you say about, about Devin and, and where that situation is at? Yeah, well, first of all, we all have all the respect in the world for Devin. Um, he's done some great things for us as a player, and we look forward to more from him in the future. So he's on our team. Um, we um, are looking forward to this season. We're gearing up for this season with the draft right now, for agency. And, um, you know, looking forward to him being a part of this team. And if he has the kind of year that we all think he's capable of, this, you know, we can hopefully put this to rest and, and everybody's happy. So just to reiterate, no intention of trading him at this time? No intention. And Jason, you're not playing on this contract this year. Yeah, you know, I can't look into the future. Um, like I said, I, we have utmost respect for Devin. And uh, it's part of the business world of this business of this job that we have that I don't like, but, um, you know, he's a competitor, he's a player, um, you know, everybody holds him in high regard. Um, you know, like I said, we have the utmost respect for Devin. Um, he's, you guys know him as well as we do. It's, uh, he's a great guy. And so, you know, it's, we're, uh, we're looking forward to this year and we're looking forward to him having a great year. We've had very, very few instances and I'm, I'm old. I can't remember had any where you have a, a, a held out or holdout situation in training camp where you've had a, a player request a trade over money does that speak to the type of players that you brought in does it speak to you and greenberg in the front office and maybe getting ahead of some of these salary type things you know before they start what, what do you attribute the lack of that because you see it more often around the league than you do in tampa bay yeah you know i think every case is different this isn't something I'm holding against Devin. I still feel he's a tremendous person. So um, it's, I, I just feel like this is a, this is a great place, uh, a great place to play. We've had tremendous coaches, um, support staff and ownership. Um, it's, it's just, it's obviously an awesome city and, um, and an awesome place to play. And it took us some time, um, but we got there, but that was because of, you know, really starts at the top with ownership. So in this particular case with Devin, I'm not holding it against him. I would never say that he's a, not the type of teammate that we want because of this. Yeah, so you you kind of hear Jason repeat some of the, the same stuff over and over about we don't hold it against him. He's a great person. We're looking forward to him doing big things here. Um, in Tampa and a little bit more of a peaceful negotiation than I think uh, many of us were initially thinking going in. And I don't know who's, you know, the saying, the ball's in your court. I don't know whose ball is in whose court <laughs> at the moment because I, I, I think the Bucks clearly have more leverage, but that doesn't mean – they can just kind of do whatever they want because maybe Devin will decide to sit out and really make this as difficult as as they possibly can. And the Bucks 
really do need Devin to play this year. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, it seems like the Bucks and like Jason Light in the front office, they have a really good reputation around the league for being a front office that is willing to negotiate. And there isn't really like this is the first time that, like you mentioned, we've seen negotiations like this be aired publicly uh, before that. Like Jason Light's been the general manager since 2014. And this is really the first time that something like this has happened. And it just speaks volumes to the culture that Tampa Bay has built in recent seasons. And as Jason Light mentioned, it's an awesome place to to live and to play. And a lot of guys are really happy to be Buccaneers. So, Yeah, I was glad when, when Jason said he's like, yeah, Tampa's awesome. I'm thinking, yeah, Tampa is awesome. And you know what's awesome as well? When we get super chats from the pewter people watching the show. So thank you so much to Shaggy for this $5 super chat. <clears throat> Shaggy says, is it fair to interpret Devin getting bored slash taking plays off as a symptom sign of him not wanting to be here? Or am I reading too much into it? I think it's a fair question. There was really only once or twice, like obviously the Ravens game was the big one that, you know, got uh, identified by everybody. Um, I don't think one incident that happened on a Thursday night game that was what not even halfway through the season. I don't think that was Devin White's trying to make a statement. Oh my goodness. Um, I just think it was a bad moment that got caught on camera. Honestly, when it comes to that type of situation, I don't know how you read into it, Adam, but I don't, I don't really think there was much of a moment last year where he was saying something angrily about the organization themselves uh, up until last month when he was saying, get me to the Eagles uh, up until then. I don't think Devin really had anything that was, um, you know, something to look into. Yeah. And like, like you said, kind of started a month ago, even with the Instagram posts, but even then he mentioned like, he's been thankful for the past four years being in Tampa Bay and just how, the organization and for the most part fans have welcomed him prior to like maybe this last season where his play was more scrutinized but mm. i wouldn't say he doesn't want to be here but at this point he probably wants to be paid what he thinks he's worth and that's where the dilemma is is the organization do they value him as much as he values himself and that's something to weigh and consider but it kind of reminds me of in baseball when you have players not running all the way on like a ground ball. I know you're a Mets fan, like Robinson Cano. He was known for doing that, but Brandon kind of Nimmo, Brandon Nimmo would never, right? Oh, you have an autograph, but, but yeah, yeah. But uh, just kind of getting it aired on camera. It's one play, and he played a whole season, and that's the one play that they like take away from it. Yeah, w- without question, it, it was a bad look. Like Warren Sapp ripped him to shreds, so. Um, you know, that's obviously never a good look because Warren Sapp is held in pretty high regard by Bucks fans. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor member, huge reason why they, uh, you know, <laughs> why they won their first Super Bowl and arguably the best defensive player. We can argue that another time. Uh, shout out Christie 452 saying, let's go Mets. Brandon Nimmo hustles on walks. Yes, he does. And I think he's second in the major leagues. 
um, in walks. But before, Adam, we were talking about uh, Jason Light and addressing drafting inside linebacker. I want to get to that video because even though the Bucks have to look for potentially a new inside linebacker, Jason was brutally honest when it came to this answer. Yeah, you know, we've just going back a few years, we've come very close to taking inside linebackers high just because we know that the depth of that position, how important it is um, not to necessarily replace Devin and Levante in the last few years at all. But, um, you know, you can never just the last few years, depth has proven to be um, one of the things that has uh, been related to our success winning the Super Bowl. So you're always we're never not looking at the middle linebackers or the inside linebackers. So um, this year, I wouldn't say you know, there's always some good players in every position in every draft. I wouldn't say that that's a strength of this draft. So, but yes, we're, we're always looking. And if it's at the right time, at the right place, the right fit, we wouldn't be afraid to take one, no. Uh, a little bit of a tough spot for sure, I would say. I think you were cut out the first part of that. Oh, I was really just saying that um, Jason saying that the it, it's not a very strong class. And then I said, uh oh, <laughs> that's not a, that's not a good sign, even though they're trying to hold this off for a year. It doesn't 100 percent mean that they're going to take it inside linebacker. But given the saga that the bucks are in for jason to still be flat out honest saying i don't like this draft class doesn't bode very well does it no it doesn't and he mentioned in the past few years like he was really high on some guys at the inside linebacker position and nearly took them even with levante david and devin white being there like in tampa and now with that being a question him not being high on guys it might be a late round thing on day three where they select a guy just to develop and maybe not they see him as a plug and play like day one starter. And one thing that I found interesting in looking over some of the team captains that the Bucks have, they value that position, the inside linebacker position very highly because both Levante David and Devin White are captains on the defense. And it's a trait that we can kind of go into what he's looking for in prospects but leadership is big and without Tom Brady, without some of the key guys from the Super Bowl winning team, they'll need some leadership, whether it's at inside linebacker or at other positions as well. Yeah, it's very interesting because in years past and some of this are are, are the guys that have left, like Mike Edwards is, is a perfect example. The Bucks value drafting players that were team captains and or leaders on their college teams. Mike Edwards was a team captain at Kentucky. There's a number of other examples, Devin White as well. I know this is a picture of Levante David, but Devin White too. And yeah, so he went on to be asked about the leadership skills, priorities when looking at these players and specifically captainship. He said, that's a quality that we look for in all the players that we draft. Not all players can be captains. All players can be leaders in one way, shape or form. But whatever they're, whether they're a servant leader or an outgoing leader, whatever it is, it's a quality we look for in all of our players. When players tend to become more and more viewed as a leader, 
the more and more they play and the better and the better they play. Obviously, the best players in college are the ones we're drafting, so they're viewed as leaders. We do like that quality of being voted on as a team captain by your peers. But then, Adam, you noticed something interesting today about last year's Bucks draft class when it comes to, quote-unquote, being a leader. Yeah, so kind of going over a lot of the draft picks and like the, on the college websites, it'll usually say, like the players honors in college and whether they were a captain made like the all American team, stuff like that. And none of the players that the bucks drafted were captains uh, at their respective colleges, which is interesting. But before that, like recent trends show that they value leadership and guys that come in and they act like veterans, even as rookies, even though Rashad white, for example, wasn't a captain, he talked like a veteran and he, he kind of has that about him. So whether they're captains or not, they value leadership. Yeah, without question, I think that's a reason why. Um, that's a reason why they've been gave, been able to get through a lot of the the crap that's gone on with them uh, in the past couple of years. We talked about it a lot on yesterday's show. I'd highly recommend checking it out. Whether it was AB freaking out, whether it was the coaching change i uh, remember like ali marpet retired and that was kind of a surprise everything with tom brady this team has been able to get through a lot and i know they didn't win a ton last year but they still were able to hold it together and win the division and you know you talk about captains leadership that type of thing one guy that's going to be a captain very soon i think it has to be Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line because Ali Marpet was team captain for a long time before he retired. It looks like Tristan has got to be one of the next guys in line to to be a captain. You know, especially because Brady, who was a captain last year, uh, is no longer with the team. Usually you kind of make a quarterback one of your team captains, but Tristan is one of your best players not just on your team, but one of the best players in the league. And it kind of goes back to a conversation we were having where, and we talked a ton about Devin. Don't know if he deserves that contract. Don't really think he does. Tristan Wirfs, yes. Like, you don't need to think about it. It's an automatic yes. You can spend half a second on talking about whether Tristan Wirfs should get a contract extension. Antoine Winfield, Yes. Maybe a little bit more of a pause than uh, than Tristan Wirfs, but still a significant yes. Devin, not necessarily the same. But uh, the reason why I bring up Tristan Wirfs is because there was a lot of conversations about the um, offensive line and offensive tackle, what they might do there. We'll talk about the new addition in just a moment. Uh, but here's Jason Light. So he gets asked about quarterbacks and offensive tackles separately. But he gives kind of his viewpoint on how he feels about the interior offensive line and offensive tackle class in this year's draft. And then just his overall philosophy about looking at quarterbacks, talks about the quarterback situation that Tampa Bay has at the moment with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, and even addresses whether or not he would take a quarterback this year. Yeah, it's the toughest position to find. It's the most important position on the team. Um, you know, you see teams that in consecutive years take them in top 10. Um, 
you know, it's, we have a, unknown in, in Kyle, we have Baker who's had some great years and, um, and now we're hoping that he shows up here this year in that competition and um, we get the best out of one of them, but, um, or both of them. Um, but I would not be afraid to take a quarterback, another quarterback, because yeah. might as well have another shot at it. Yeah. So not and, and just that again, another guy we talked about quarterback, right? But the tackles are hard to find too. Yeah, tackles are very hard to find. Uh, there's there's a few uh, good ones that we like um, that we've spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a little bit more dominant. Um, from the beginning of the draft to the end of the draft this year, I think, with interior linemen. Mm -hmm. There's some very good ones there, too. Yeah. So, I mean, we love our offensive linemen. So, yeah. um, it's a position that I think quite possibly we, would, we will be addressing. Sure. Um, but once again, we have a lot of in-house options as well. Jason, if you thought that a particular... Be all right yeah cool cool uh would you want to start with quarterback or offense tackle what was most intriguing to you about what jason said in that video i thought the quarterback uh position was more intriguing obviously the bucks are interested in offensive linemen especially at the tackle position uh peter reports mocked it with either anton harrison or darnell wright so you kind of already know that they're putting eggs in that basket but with the quarterback position, you see Kyle Trask, second-round pick. He's had two years to develop. And Baker Mayfield, a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. When you have those two quarterbacks saying that you're not afraid to draft another quarterback, I wouldn't say it's shocking, but it's a little surprising to say that you're still looking at the position when you have two options. The quarterback position is always something that you need in the NFL. Teams aren't getting by with unless you have like Trent Dilfer with the 2000 Ravens, you're not getting by with a game manager quarterback. You need that game changer at the position, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, but the Bucks aren't really in a position to draft a quarterback like that, unless one miraculously falls to the 19th position that they're picking at. So that to me was a little bit more uh, surprising than what he had to say about offensive linemen, but Definitely a need there as well in the trenches. Yeah, without question. When it comes to the quarterback position, Jason, for another answer, I think he's talking about offensive line, uh, ironically enough, was saying that sometimes it's just fun to watch some of these guys, like when they do something great, when they pancake a defender in front of them. I think just evaluating, evaluating quarterbacks is fun in general. And while he said he's not afraid to – take one this take a another quarterback again draft another quarterback he left it a little bit open because he was saying maybe not this year maybe in the future and i just find it odd with taking a quarterback this year but if you take a, a late round sixth seventh round quarterback fine whatever i understand i got it you need to fill out the quarterback room anyway but say they took Will Levis, who they've had on a top 30 visit, or Hendon Hooker's a little bit different because I don't exactly know where he's going to fall just based on his injury. But let, let's just say Levis, hypothetically. You are putting yourself in a situation where 
you're not believing in Baker or Kyle Trask. Now, if they stink, you are getting ahead of the problem, which I guess is kind of good, but then you just didn't believe in them in the first place. And second, you have a couple of pieces to the quarterback puzzle in Trask and Mayfield. If you if you just already think, okay, these are going to be the guys competing for it, then you got to be able to address, you know, um, outside linebacker, another safety, all these other positions that the Bucks have to deal with. You're taking one off the board early that really set, sets you back, and you're kind of already behind the eight ball. I found it interesting that he liked the interior offensive line a little bit more than the offensive tackles themselves. You know the Bucks need a tackle. That's not surprising anybody yeah and it seems like offensive tackle might be their first overall pick to so to say that you don't love the whole group uh it just makes me a little bit confused more than anything else yeah especially with uh the buck signed another offensive lineman today this afternoon but the guard position and the center position seem pretty solidified yeah now you have nick leverett robert hainsey maybe competing for left guard uh, Luke Gedeke, still a premium draft pick last season. You have him in the picture. And Ryan Jensen's coming back. So with the interior offensive line, you have four, maybe five guys, Aaron Stinney as well, that are competing. You don't really need another one unless you're looking at maybe sixth or seventh round. But the way he made it sound was like drafting a guy with a day two pick and putting mm-hmm. him there. So just, yeah, that was really interesting that, he said that because tackle is a huge need. And let's get into the free agent signing. That was the other bit of news that uh, went on today. We'll get back into Jason Light's comments about everything uh, shortly. But they did sign uh, a versatile offensive lineman, a veteran, going into his seventh year. Uh, his name is Matt Filer. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce his last name, but I know it's F-E-I-L-E-R, Matt Filer. Played for the Chargers last year. Actually, a a very interesting story. He went undrafted, went to a very small school. Starts with a B. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but a very small school. I hadn't I hadn't heard of it before uh, until uh, you know, obviously doing some research research on him. He went to the Houston Texans rookie minicamp as a tryout. Not someone that got drafted just as a tryout. So he didn't even sign with them as an undrafted free agent, but did well enough in the tryout, made the practice squad. And that's where he stayed the whole year. Then the next season in September, he got uh, waived by the Texans and the Steelers picked him up three days later. Then he really made a career for himself. He spent the rest of uh, that season and the next three or four years with the Steelers. And then, uh, so pretty much from 2015 to 2020, he was with the Steelers. And then uh, 2021 and 2022, he was with the Chargers. And you want to talk about trying to find a starter. You know, you need to get another starting offensive tackle. This guy has played 78 career games. He started 73 of them. So he has a lot of experience um, starting on the offensive line, played in some playoff games too. But even more important than that, and which 
is another question, but I think a good question. Starting out with the Steelers, he played right tackle. And we all know, well, you got Tristan Wirfs over there, but they might want to move Tristan Wirfs over to left tackle. So he started multiple games at right tackle in Pittsburgh. And then I believe in 2019, either 2018 or 2019, they bumped him over to left guard. And he started at left guard for Pittsburgh. And then when he signed with the Chargers, he ended up also playing uh, starting guard, starting left guard over there as well. So very cool story, just going from Undrant the free agent to a guy that started a lot in this league for two separate teams. And we'll see what happens if he if he tries to uh, become a starter this year for the Bucs. But I'm curious of two things, and you kind of brought some of it up already, Adam. Would he play guard or would he play offensive tackle? Because on the outside looking in, the Bucs are pretty sturdy on the interior offensive line. You mentioned Jensen. Obviously, Robert Hainsey can move to guard now. You got Aaron Stinney returning after uh, a season-ending knee injury, and he was the starter in the Super Bowl for the Bucs. Nick Leverett obviously coming back, and then you got to figure out what to do with Luke Gettigy as well. I mean, if you want to throw Matt Filer as a as an offensive guard, you got depth upon depth upon depth. But offensive tackle, the Bucs are still very, very thin. I mean, you got... Tristan Wirfs, you have Brandon Walton, who can play guard as well. He's kind of a hybrid. They moved him over to offensive tackle uh, when Donovan Smith got hurt. And then you got a couple of guys that were practice squad players, first-year players. So it's it's a good problem to have with, with this signing. I'm just curious whether they view him as an offensive tackle or an offensive guard. I would say more along the lines of offensive tackle because, as you mentioned, Right now, the position is so bare with Tristan Wirfs. He's one part of the equation. Who's the other? And with so many yeah. offensive guards, I see Filer filling in more of the Josh Wells role as kind of a swing tackle, maybe on either side, and just having that experience. I feel like experience is key because uh, last year when uh, Tristan Wirfs went down, Donovan Smith was injured, you were rolling out Brandon Walton at uh, yeah. tackle for a couple games. And Josh Wells. So I see him fitting more of that role. But having experience anywhere, it doesn't hurt. Because the offensive line, it's like moving around chess pieces. And making your moves calculated. And so for him, being having experience at both positions doesn't hurt. But definitely could see him more as an offensive tackle option. Yeah, without question. And I think this kind of goes into and remember the Bucks had a lot of injuries last year. Hainsey, oh, sorry, uh well Hainsey replaced an injured Ryan Jensen to even begin the season. Um Nick Lever didn't play in the playoff game. I think people kind of forget that. Gedeke got injured and that's how Leverett became the starter. I think they kept him as the starter because they knew that Gedeke was struggling. Donovan Smith missed some time. Remember Tristan Wirfs missed the NFC divisional round game against the Rams the year before. So the box offensive line has had a little bit of the, the injury bug over the last two seasons. I think, excuse me, I think offensive line and really the secondary is where the box have seen a lot of the, the brunt of their injuries over the last two seasons. So I'm almost just as curious about Luke Etike as I am Matt Filer. Yeah, for Luke Gedeke, the second year jump, it's going to be 
vital to his success in the NFL. And he's already strong. Uh, we put out an article. Uh, he might be the strongest Buccaneer on the team. Yeah. But can he grow more in the schemes, the formations? He seems to be more comfortable at the right side. So you would like to maybe slot him in at right guard. Definitely could be an option now that Shaq Mason's out of the picture. And left guard, you have Nick Leverett. He's solid. He could even get better. But for Luke Gedeke, he needs to start along the offensive line and prove that he was worthy of being a second-round pick last year. And he has the strength. He's raw. That was one concern coming out of uh, Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. He, he's been on quite a journey from being a tight a converted tight end and playing in a Division three school to moving to right tackle at Central Michigan to coming down in the NFL and switching to left guard. Just a lot has been asked of him. And having a full offseason with the team, hopefully it'll do wonders for him. One thing we will ask of you, the pewter people, is to check out some of the newest flavors of Celsius Energy Drinks the official sponsor of Peter Report Podcast. Some of the new flavors they got out right now is the Fantasy Vibe, which tastes like an orange creamsicle. The Sparkling Lemon Lime as well. Celsius has a variety of flavors if you want to check them out. Uh, go to the store locator on the Celsius website. I'll punch in your address and find out where you can get them at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store. Or your bodega. I mean, look at some of these awesome, awesome flavors that they got going on. I know Adam was drinking an Arctic vibe today as he walked into the Bucks facility before we spoke to Jason Light. The vibes are always high, whether it's Arctic, tropical, or peach. Can't forget about some of the great flavors as well on this page. The sparkling wildberry, cucumber lime, strawberry lemonade, original uh original sparkling watermelon um what do you got up there strawberry akai it looks like yeah so a ton of awesome different flavors of celsius energy drinks that you can have um if you want to start getting them in bulk and you know what i'm gonna say get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life go to amazon click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment every week month yearly quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. So uh, another thing that was really brought up when it came to the Bucks approach for this year's draft, um, obviously we know the big change. We talked about quarterbacks earlier, but just the change as an organization in general with Tom Brady no longer there. Does that does that differentiate the approach that the the Bucks will now have in, in this year's draft? Does that do they look at players differently? Well, Jason Light had an answer for that, which I will play if I can find the video. I found it. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Ira, I, we're not really changing anything we're doing in the draft um, in terms of that is not affecting us. I mean, if you walk through the halls um, and our, our scouts and our coaches, I mean, people are all in up there. I mean, we're trying to win. So um, we're trying to bring in the best players that we can this year, and it's no different than we have in the past. Now, we have 
just because of the fact that we've lost quite a few players that were contributors to us, helped us win the Super Bowl, and helped us have some good seasons here lately. Um, there's probably a few more areas of need around across the roster than we did like in 2021 when we brought everybody back. And now looking back on that, that was, you know that was quite a feat that our team was able to do. So, but um, but we're we're still looking to you know add depth, add good players, um, look to the future. Um, if they can play early, that's great, but you know, we're not trying to pinpoint one particular thing. This guy will be able to start week one, um, as opposed to this guy who's going to become greater, a better player in two years. We're still going to look for what's best for so them. So you wouldn't say you're looking for more? About either before or after that, that really stood out to you in terms of his overall approach or, or thought process on um, on said group? Yeah, so kind of discussing the approach that uh, the team should take without having Tom Brady in the fold. I, I thought it really stood out still having that all-in mentality. That's important. Whether from the outsiders looking, looking in, they see the boxes, hey, they're a four or five win team heading into 2023. Let's count them out. The front office can't see it that way. They have to see the team is still being competitive. Remind you that this was a team that brought Tom Brady into town in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes, there there's some guys that have made their their way out, especially this offseason, but it's an opportunity to get younger, to get faster, and that could be seen as a good thing. And they still have all their captains in the fold besides Tom Brady heading into this year. And that's important because you want guys in the building that know what it takes to win and bringing in young guys that they can see that model and they can replicate that. And then also what I what stood out to me was there's a few more areas of need for the Bucs this season compared to previous drafts. And that's something yes. that the Bucs will have to consider with some of their top picks. But in an offensive league, what what he mentioned was having as many playmakers as possible. And you saw it last year. They drafted Rashad White, Kate Otten. They got a couple playmakers. And it's likely they'll do the same in this draft, which is exciting because you want that youth, you want that speed, while also just being dynamic. And the offense that Dave Canales will bring, there's a lot of upside, perhaps more than some people see. I agree. And while there are concerns in uh, certain holes on the roster. I think the biggest concern is depth. And for me, I see a lot more issues with depth on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they only have three safeties, and one of them is Nolan Turner, who was on the practice squad for majority of the season. Even at corner, you know, you don't have too many guys after SM, uh, SMBs in Tennessee, after uh, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. You know, you have D. Delaney, who's kind of a, a hybrid corner and safety. We know linebacker. We've talked a lot about D-line and an outside linebacker. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think they're pretty beefed up with health and and depth on, on that side. Offensive line getting healthier with Ryan Jensen, Jensen returning. Um, running back, they've mostly filled the room. Maybe they'll, they'll add another one in the draft, but... They kind of shedded some weight, no pun intended, with letting go of Leonard Fournette like to that. allow Rashad White. To, that just came on the spot. I didn't even pre-plan that. Um, with having Rashad White be the guy. And wide receiver, 
yes, you can question the overall speed or or what type of depth do they have after Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage. But I would also counteract with Russell Gage wasn't healthy last year. So even yeah. getting a fully healthy Russell Gage makes a huge difference. Now, the tight end is one where they are a little bit thin. And that's why it was funny when he was asked about tight end specifically, he was like, listen, it didn't matter if, if Kate Otten caught 100 catches last year. Uh, we're still taking a tight end. And Jason Light loves the tight end position. I'm going to try to find the quote that he said. I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of, this is the best class I've seen in a decade. Ten years. <laughs> yeah, which is a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, where'd he say? It's probably one of the deepest classes it's been in at least 10 years. And then talking about Kate on, he said, Kate could have had 100 catches last year and we'd still be looking at tight ends. We love the role that Co Keith has. We love the role that Kate has, but it's always good to have more weapons. I don't know if the Bucks' offense can get back to what it was. Honestly, in 2021, they were a better offense then than they were in 2020. But I think there is room for the Bucks offense to be a fast striking 26 to 29 points per game type of offense, just with the addition of a dynamic tight end or uh, another speed wide receiver that, that brings a little bit something different to this offense. I know people have their concerns about Tampa Bay's offense. I totally understand why they got to figure out the quarterback situation, but it does feel like all the pieces are really there. If you just add one or two more in the draft. Yeah. Especially with, if they get solid quarterback play out of Mayfield or Trask, you have pretty much the foundation there. You have that, elite tackle, whether he lines up that left or right tackle in Tristan Wirfs, you have weapons. You have Kate Otten. He might have a hundred catches next year. You have yeah. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Rashad White. He's going to be taking that next step. He changed his Jersey number to one. He might be starting running back number one. So, right. <laughs> but just adding maybe another wide receiver, a guy that they have Devin Tompkins who's fast, but maybe getting another guy that can, maybe change up like some looks in the offense. So the pieces are there. The It might very well be addition by subtraction, whether that's Byron Leftwich, Donovan Smith, Leonard Fournette, and getting guys that maybe have more upside at this point. Yeah, I like this comment here from uh, Peter Ralston. says, new offensive tackle plus a weapon or two, and they are golden. It's really, it just comes down to when can they find this new quote-unquote weapon. Do they go with a tight end early? Can they find... I, I think they'll go with a tight end late just based on the deepest class I've seen in, in 10 years. I I think that gives the Bucks the luxury of waiting till the fifth round and getting... I hope they get Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. I really hope the Bucks get him. Um, that would be pretty awesome. And I think, again, just because everything that they have to address on the um, defensive side of the ball... You're going to see a lot more defense first outside of offensive tackle. But, you know, late late rounds day two, early rounds day three is going to be a, a lot of fun for the Bucs in this draft. Uh, don't want to give away any more information just yet, but uh, we tend to do a yearly thing about 
uh, during draft week and draft night. And uh, just stay tuned for an announcement for that coming up, uh, obviously, in the next two weeks. Very excited about that news. Uh, a little bit more news that you should know of is uh, if you want to be healthier, you should be using age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. They have testosterone therapy, stem cell therapy, a couple other things that can help you. I know Scott Reynolds, pewterreport.com, has spoken highly about how much it has helped him with uh, staying more alert, losing some weight. He said he feels 10 years younger. So go to agerejuvenation.com. See how age rejuvenation can help you. Um, before we wrap up the show, let's get to a couple of comments. Uh, if you want to super chat us, you will cut the line and we'll get to your comments right away. Let's see what we got here. Got a couple banked and ready to go with my computer, which has been kind of slow today, uh, cooperates with me. Um, these are comments from like throughout the, the show. So um, Al Bundy said, with Jensen's return, hopefully a first round offensive tackle, our O-line won't be as uh, horrendous as it was last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryan Jensen is a huge like component into all of this because uh, what's it saying? Rising tides lifts all ships. When you have one of the best centers in the NFL, it just naturally makes your offensive line better. I like the connection to the, to the ships there. Thank you. But, yeah. Buccaneers. Yeah. You're just on it today. But yeah. with Ryan Jensen, one of the best centers in football, when he's healthy, that's what got him that extension to make him the highest paid center. I believe three years, 39 million. So yeah. having him, getting a younger, more athletic offensive tackle option, whoever it might be, the offensive line is going to improve. And you have guys like Luke Gedeke. The The upside is there, and the floor has risen. The, the sea level has risen a little bit. And just how like the offensive line will perform. They won't be bad. And before last season, it was seen as one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah, it really was. Uh, yeah, we're only a season or two removed from that. So I think people should uh, keep that in mind. Cincy Bucks asks, uh, whatever happened to Olakunle Fadukasi? Seemed like team was high on him. Yeah, he. so he was one of the biggest battles during training camp was that last linebacker spot, him and J.J. Russell. And Fadukasi won it. He was on the active 53-man roster. Then they cut him like halfway through the season for J.J. Russell, and um, the New England Patriots, I believe, picked him up off of waivers. Belichick likes his Rutgers guys, uh, mostly the McCourty twins. Who Logan are Ryan, too. Tired. Logan Ryan as well. Um, so, yeah, he's in New England now, but he was more a special teams guy as well, which kind of leads to this 
Next question from Christy452. Anyone think KJ Britt has potential as an inside linebacker? Personally, I don't. Uh, I think special teams fine. I like the size of KJ Britt and the physicality. He hits pretty hard. I just don't think he's quick enough to be an every down inside linebacker. I think we saw that in the Falcons game when he, he came in for a snap and he missed the assignment and the running back was able, I believe it was running back went to the end zone and he has the hit tool, but does he have enough speed or maybe lateral quickness to be an inside linebacker? I don't see it either. Peter Ralston said the best of the best usually move up to the next level. That was a comment during uh, when we were discussing uh, the, the, the type of players that the, the Bucks front office likes drafting with captainship and, and stuff like that. A lot of times, if you are the best player, you end up being the captain anyway, because people kind of gravitate towards you. If Tom says, if Tristan was meaner, he'd be a great captain, but he's still young and gentle giant. Hopefully he can rally the team. Well, even as a gentle giant, he's one of the best tackles in the league. So I can't even imagine what a nasty Tristan Wirfs would, right. uh, would be like. But maybe getting so angry would kind of take him off his game a little bit, you know? And I think behind the scenes last season, he really took a big step towards being a leader. Maybe more of the quiet leader than being all fiery. But that's more of his style. And he speaks highly of a lot of the guys in the locker room. And he tries to lift them up. And I think there's something to be said there. He may not come out and say it uh, in the most egregious way to the media, but he's definitely a leader in the locker room, and he definitely deserves to be a captain. He also won the Mark Cook RIP, um, won the Mark Cook Good Guy Award. So, um, friend of the media. Uh, David Arbuckle said the worst part of the Devin White fiasco is that it now makes linebacker a lot more important in the upcoming draft, regardless of whether White leaves or stays. One million percent, you know, it becomes a uh, a huge need, which is why I kind of think the Bucks should trade back now so they can address address inside linebacker and still stay on the same game plan that they had with um, attacking some of the other positions that they want to get after. Uh, we'll go with two more that I have queued up. Tom, does Peter Report think Tampa trades back in the draft? What if we can package Stephen White in a draft day trade? I do think that they trade back. I don't know if they could package Stephen White because it's $11 million that another team has to uh, take on. Yeah, and I also think that the Bucks may look to trading into the fourth round. Now, they don't have a fourth round pick this year uh, because of selecting Zion McCollum last season. But Jason Light, he likes the mid-round picks, especially on day two. He's hit on so many of them in recent seasons. Uh, we've kind of mentioned that. But definitely could see the Bucs trading back in the first round to acquire more picks and get more value or whatever happens with Devin White getting another pick. Creo Southpaw says Hainsey will be competing at right guard this year. Hainsey will definitely be in the mix for um, for a starting offensive guard position. It'll be super fun to watch. It'll be one of the best matchups that we'll be watching. I mean, it's not the best because Baker versus Kyle Trask is going to be the one that gets most attention, but interior guard as well. And we'll end on this one from Anakin Typer. What do you think about Jaden Reed in a later round pick at wide receiver? So Jaden Reed was at the uh, senior bowl 
and was very impressive. I And then he had some type of injury to his eye. I forgot how he got it. So when he was at the senior ball, not the NFL combine, he was up at the podium like all the players are, just rocking sunglasses. And I think some people thought like, oh, he's just wearing sunglasses inside. That's a bit of a cocky mood. He's like, no, like I got an infection in my eye. And he lifted up the sunglasses. I, I think he's an exciting player. Um, very smooth, good quickness to him. Not the tallest guy, but uh, one of those guys, he just kind of makes it look easy when he's out there making plays. So, For sure, yeah. And we did a profile on him. He, he was really impressive at the Senior Bowl. And one of the guys that he may not look the part, but he definitely plays the part of being an NFL player. And he definitely could have a solid career. Very much could. So, yeah, if he's there uh, in a later round, I definitely think the Bucks should take him. I also definitely think um, you guys should be following our social media on pewterreport.com. We are at Peter Report on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. We got a ton of clips up from – the podcast that we put into to shorter clips um, have some videos up from recent press conferences. We put up a short today of Jason Light. A lot of great content there. We will continue to have that um, every week as we do the show four times a week. Also with other various videos um, as well. That's going to do it for us tonight and for this week. Want to thank everybody again for joining us on today's show. Um, we're going to be back at it again next week with, with more content, more coverage, a lot more draft discussion. So in the meantime, have a fun weekend. Tell your loved ones you love them. RIP to any of your loved ones that uh, may have gone recently or that you miss. And to all the Swifties out there. Oh, yeah. Have a great time watching Taylor Swift at Raymond James Stadium, the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you next week for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace out.